Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word. Reveal Jesus to me. Then send me out to share Christ with others so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that's a mouthful, but I think every sentence in this declaration is important. I think it's important that we remember that when we're coming to the Word of God, we want to have a heart that's open and receptive and ready to receive. Amen? And just believe that He's going to fill us fresh with His Spirit. He's going to speak to us corporately and individually. And then as we're learning to be people of the Great Commission, the Great Commission is, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you. And as you do this, I'm going to be with you forever. Come on, how many of you have heard that? That's the Great Commission. And we've all been called to be part of that. So we want to include that sharing Christ with others. He's too good to keep to ourselves. Isn't that true? I know everybody's at a different place, and they're knowing how and learning how to do that. But we are together going to get better at doing that, sharing Christ with others. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. It's on your sermon guide, but if you want to look at it in your Bible and maybe highlight your Bible or underline a couple of words in your Bible, um, you can do that. Just kind of hold your place in Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to give us a little bit of a running start. I want you to think about some of these things with me. We're all different, and we all have different jobs We're raised differently. We have different family dynamics, different hobbies, different things that we lean to, and the list goes on and on. And because we're different, we all have different rhythms of living and ways we've learned to pattern and prioritize our lives. Pattern and prioritize our lives. For a lot of us, it's just become our default. We're just kind of used to living this way. It's the way we do things and the way that we've learned to kind of live within the rhythms of my life or our family's lives. Well, right now, one week after Labor Day, you know it, I know it, we're officially getting into the fall rhythm. And our schedules start to fill up, moms and dads, and you get busy with school and busy with sports and all kinds of different activities for your kids, all kinds of different commitments that we have, and all kinds of different plans that we make. And for the most part, we just kind of fall into the default pattern of how we've learned to pattern and prioritize our living during this season. But what if the way that we're living is out of order? And that's what we're going to talk about. We're starting a new series today. And we're calling it Out 
of order, but here's the subtitle, realigning our priorities. Come on, say the whole thing with me. Out of order, realigning our priorities. What if I were to tell you there actually is a way that Jesus teaches in the Bible so that we can order and prioritize our lives in such a way that we can experience life the way that he meant for us to experience it. There is a way that Jesus has called each and every one of us to pattern and prioritize our living, and that is what we're going to be talking about in this series. How to take what is out of order, realign it, with God's help, and put it back into order. And let's look at Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. I'm reading out of the New King James. This is Jesus speaking. He's wrapping up his famous Sermon on the Mount. He's just spoken about all kinds of different life principles and kingdom principles and all kinds of truths about marriage, about work, about walking with God. And he gets to verse 46 through 49, and this is what he says. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Question mark. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. Now let me pause. If you're reading in your Bible... I would suggest you highlight or underline, comes to me, hears my sayings, and does them. Come, hear, does. I'm going to show you who he's like. And then he gets to verse 48. He is like a man or a woman building a house who dug deep. Somebody say deep. Yeah, he dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when, not if, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently or violently against that house and could not shake it. Why? For it was founded, built on, established on, securely fixed to the rock. But, he says, he who heard... Heard what? His sayings. His words. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man or a woman who built a house on the earth without a foundation. Come on, do we got anybody who could build a house in here? I know Doug can. Vinny's got some construction. Justin's got some. And you guys know that like building a house on a solid foundation is like extremely important, right? I, I know nothing. I can't build a house, but I know that much. It can't be on shaky sand, right? It's like a person who built a house on the earth without a foundation. Listen, against which the stream be vehemently or violently and immediately it fell. What's the it? The house. The house fell. Jesus is speaking. And then he says, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, I want to clue you into something. 
Jesus really isn't talking about houses. He's talking about lives. He's talking about your life. He's talking about my life. Would it be safe to assume, track with me, these are easy yes or no questions. Would it be safe to assume that based on this text, these few verses, that Jesus wants for your life and my life to be built on solid ground? Yes or no? Yes, right? Would it be safe to assume that based on this text, just these verses, that every life is going to experience raging flood waters at times? Would it be safe to assume that based on this text? Right? I mean, he, he's, not, he's not wishing anything bad on us. This is just life, and we know it. Would it be safe to assume that just on reading this text, that spiritually speaking, if we want to build a life that's solid on solid foundation, we have to dig deep. Would it be safe to assume that based on this text? Or just, just a little dab will do you. Or just, no, no, no. You, you got to go below the surface, friend. You got to begin to dig. And would it be safe to assume that? How about this? Would it be safe to assume that based on what he's saying here, he wants for us to become obedient to what he says? Why do you call me, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say, would it be safe to assume he wants us to learn to grow in obedience? Yes or no? Right? This is the text. This is what we're looking at right here. So message number one in this new series, if you want to know, the title for today's message is simply this. Come to me. Come on, would you say it with me? Come to me. Jesus says, whoever comes to me. So we're talking about coming to me today. Coming to Jesus Notice 646 again. He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? So Jesus asked this question, but it's really a statement kind of a question. He's trying to get something across to us. He wants us to really think about that. Now, just because we don't use the word Lord in our everyday, like, modern vernacular, let's look at the definition for this word. The word Lord in English is the Greek word kurios. It's on your sermon guide, K-Y-R-I-O-S. Kurios. And it means the one to whom a person belongs or the one who has the deciding power in one's life. The master, the owner, the ruler, the boss. The one who is to be honored and revered. Would anybody say, Jesus deserves that? Come on. In essence, Jesus is asking you and I, why do you keep calling me Lord if you're not allowing me to be the one who leads and guides your life? How many of you were here for our last series, The Lord is Our Shepherd? Right? Right from the beginning, he makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside. But that all hinges on whether or not we follow him. Amen? And so Jesus is saying, listen, 
If you want me to be the Lord, you have to be willing to allow me to lead you and guide you in your life. Notice verse 47. Jesus says, let me tell you how to order or prioritize your life. If I am the Lord of your life, in verse 47, do you see what it says there? He says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, Come, hear, do. I'll show you who he's like. And then he describes a wise master builder. Let me read this portion of scripture in the message translation. Anybody ever look at different translations? I like to look at the message and the New Living Translation and the Amplified. Let me read it to you out of the message. It says this. Why are you so polite with me? Always saying, Yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. Somebody say nothing. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter. Who built a house, but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. Come, hear, do. Come on, say it with me. Come, hear, do. That's the order. That's the order Jesus calls you and I to pattern and prioritize our lives after. But the truth is, for many Christians, uh, they're living out of order. I don't mean that in a condemning way. I mean that in a loving way. I mean that in a shepherding way. Sometimes Christians say that Jesus is the Lord of their lives, but they're calling all the shots in their lives. So what we do is we do what we think is best when we can and when it's convenient, we take time to hear his sayings or listen to his words. And when we really need him, when the foundation is shaky, when the storms are beating vehemently and violently, then, as a last resort, we come to him. But that's not the order that Jesus gives us. Come on, I'm not asking you to identify yourself, but you might know somebody 
who says they're a Christian and kind of lives that way. They just call all the shots. They do whatever they want, whenever they want. When it's convenient, if they have time, they go to listen to the words and the sayings of Jesus. And then when all hell breaks loose, that word's in the Bible. When all hell breaks loose, then they come to him. He's right there in the firehouse. When there's an emergency, I can ring him. 911. And I can come to him. That's out of order. That's out of order. If we can, with the Holy Spirit's help, reprioritize our lives to come hear and do, the result will be a solid, stable, fruitful, blessed, productive, no matter the storm in life, life in Christ, we're steady. Can you say amen? That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for your household. That's what he wants for your kids to be raised in. But this is a choice. Write this down. First fill in the blank. Jesus invites me to come to him. There is a difference between an invitation and a demand. How many of you believe that? Right? I didn't demand Yolanda to marry me. I asked her. I invited her. And she jumped at the invitation. Amen? Men, you know what I'm talking about? But there's a difference between a demand and an invitation. Notice Jesus' heart in Luke 46 again. He says, whoever comes to me, and here's my sayings, and does them, I'll show you who he's like. He didn't say you have to. He didn't say I'm going to force you. He didn't say you better or else. He gives you a heartfelt, loving invitation. He's the Lord of your life, whether you allow him to be or not. Truth. Amen. And he could command you, but he's not going to command you to come to him every time it's an invitation because you have your own free will. And he's not going to force us to do anything. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to look at a clip in just a moment, a video clip. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, such a powerful portion of Scripture. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. That means loaded down with spiritual burdens. Notice he says, If you'll do that, if you'll come to me, I will give you Rest. Come on, somebody say rest. This word rest means to permit one to cease from labor or movement in order to recover and collect his or her strength. Rest. Jesus is our rest. So he gives us an invitation. Come to me and I will give you rest. Let's look at this clip real quick. From the chosen, Jesus giving us this invitation.
I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And I am revealing the Father to you now. Jew and Gentile. What is stirring in your hearts in the middle of such division and unrest is Father God being revealed to you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light amen what a powerful portion of scripture jesus is giving us the invitation to come to him to relieve us of the burdens of Religion, of condemnation, of trying to do things in and through our own effort to try to measure up to be good enough. He's saying, no, no, no. If you'll connect to me, if you'll yoke up with me, if you'll do life with me, if you'll come to me out of your own volition, out of your own willingness, out of your own heart, I'll give you the rest and I'll lighten the load. It's not a demand. Revelation 3.20. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone would hear, and if anyone would let me in, I will come in with him or her and dine with him or her and they with me. Now, many times I hear this scripture in the context of giving an altar call or having someone to receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And it certainly can be applicable to that. But if you read the context, Jesus is speaking to a church. So he's speaking to his own followers, to his own people, and he's trying to jar their thinking and help them to recognize that our willingness to open the doors of our heart, so to speak, and allow Him to come in, He's inviting us to do that. He's not forcing us or commanding us to do that. And that's where the life and the rest and and the lightening of the load begins to happen for you and I as followers of Jesus. We have to know that God loves you and I more than we could possibly know and what he desires for our life is only good and this is why jesus came in part that we may have life and life to the full john 10 10 he desires to lead and guide us into freedom into peace into rest into life into joy so he invites us to first come to him 
come to him. Number two, if you're taking notes, coming to Jesus is first a matter of the heart. Come on, would you say it with me, church? Come on. Coming to Jesus is first a matter of the heart. See, there's a big difference in relationships out of obligation and relationships from a posture and place of real heartfelt desire. Like again, Yolanda marrying me because she had to wouldn't have been the same. You marrying your spouse or buying your wife some flowers or conveying something to them in their love language wouldn't be the same if you had to and she demanded it from you. And this is kind of the heartfelt response that Jesus is looking for in you and I. Coming to Jesus is first a matter of the heart. What do you mean by that, Pastor Robert? Well, so often when we think about how to apply the teachings of the Bible, we automatically think practically. Like, what do I have to do? But in doing, we forget sometimes that serving God is first and foremost a matter of the heart. It's spiritual. It's not just practical. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 15, 8, Jesus said that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, come on, finish it with me, are far from me. That's religion. In Jesus' day, there was a lot of religious people who honored God with their words, with their lips. But at the core of who they were, at the center of who they were, Jesus could see that their heart was far from him. By the way, that's a prophetic scripture that's given first in Isaiah 29, 13. I might have mentioned it in your sermon guide. You can look at it later. A lot of times when Jesus was speaking or communicating with people in front of him, he would pull from Old Testament prophetic scriptures and he would make them applicable to the people that were listening to him in the moment. This is one of those from Isaiah 29, 13. What about Matthew twenty two thirty seven? Jesus said that the greatest command, you know it, is to love the Lord your God with all your, with all your heart. Now, just so that we're on the same page, he's not literally talking about your organ that pumps blood. In your chest. The heart in the scriptures is the seat of your affections. It's the seat of your emotions. It's the center of who you are. It's real life. That's what he means when he says your heart. The posture of heart we need when we come to Jesus is a heart of humility that says, I love you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I'm desperate for you, Lord. I can't live with any sense of fruitfulness without you, Lord. I choose to come to you as a matter of my heart. We have to remember that. It's first and foremost a matter of the heart. A heart that is postured in humility. A heart that says, come, 
Fill me. Speak to me. Teach me. Lead me. Draw near to me. Be close to me today. Empower me today. Help me to remember you today. That's a matter of the heart. We can't live in that close relationship with God just in our thinking, just in our head, or just with our actions without it being part of who we are. And you know what? The Holy Spirit's been sent to help us. He'll help us to grow in this awareness of posturing our heart before the Lord with humility. Are you getting something so far? Come to me. That's the first thing we're talking about today. Third thing, write it down. Coming to Jesus is then a matter of practice and priority. Come on, say this one with me. Coming to Jesus is then a matter of practice and priority. What do I mean by practice? I don't mean like we're just doing it to get better at it. That will happen. What I mean when I say practice is it's a habit. It's something that we're learning to do on a regular basis. It's part of our life. Like we just went away to the beach for a few days last week. And we were on a vacation. Um, And uh, we choose to get up early. Maybe I choose to get up early. Yolanda's not really, really, really an early 4.30 riser like me. I, I'm kind of crazy that way. But I'm on vacation, right? And I could just sleep in till whatever. I don't know sleeping is into you. Sleeping in to me would be like 7. That's sleeping in. But I like to get up early. 4.30, 5 o'clock. I put on YouTube and I put some instrumental worship music on. Kind of set the tone. Got my coffee. Got my press. Got my stevia. I'm ready to go. And I'm seeking the Lord. I'm not perfect. God's working on me. But I've made it a matter of practice. Like, we got to start our day with connecting with God. Reading, praying, worshiping, allowing Him to course correct me, whatever that looks like. I could have said, I'm on vacation. I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. Me coming to Jesus... It's not about church. It's about a relationship. And so I've built that in as a practice in my life. Some people might say, well, Pastor Robert, you have to. You're a pastor. No, I don't, I don't think that's true. Pastors can just prepare for their lessons. They don't have to make coming to Jesus a practice in their life. And I don't make coming to Jesus a practice in my life because I'm doing this. I learned to do this a long time ago when I was so desperate and still am for him to help me. And I still do it. I'll never stop doing it. That's what I mean when I say practice. And then when I say priority, you know what a priority is, right? I don't need to go into deep definition of that. I keep him central. I keep him first. I don't mean that I do it perfect. I don't mean that I never miss. I don't mean that it's always perfect, but I mean it's a priority. On the days that I go fishing, I like to go fishing in the river. Some of you know that. Sometimes if it's not an overnight trip and I need to be on the water when the sun's coming up, I got to leave the house like at 4.30 or 5. Even on those days, I get up and I keep Jesus a priority. 
And I know if I do, I'll catch more fish. Amen? <laughs> Throw it on the other side, Robert. He's come through for me. Don't think I don't get out there and I start praying, because I do when I'm getting skunked. I start praying. I'm ribbing with you a little bit right now. But even on those mornings where it's super early, it's a priority. I, I, it's part of our life. Look at John 6.35. Oh, this is giving me some revelation, John 6.35. Jesus said to those who were hearing and listening to him, I am the bread of life. He or she who comes to me shall never hunger. And he or she who believes in me shall never thirst. Wow. The Lord has just been highlighting that verse to me. He says, listen, if you'll come to me, you'll find out that I am the sustenance that you need for your life. I am the bread from heaven. If you'll come to me, I'll satisfy you. The cravings that you have that are not of me, if you'll bring them to me, I'll realign them after me, and I'll satisfy you. I'll fulfill you. I'll saturate you. I'll give you what you need. He's saying, I am the one who can do that. You'll never hunger for anything outside of me. I'll be the one who fills you and sustains you and empowers you and restores you and satisfies you. You just got to come to me. And then he says, if you believe in me, if you'll trust in me, if you'll lean in me, if you put all your weight on me, if you keep me first, if you keep me in the middle, you'll never thirst. You'll never go through your life just craving something that can never satisfy you. You got to come to him. You know what the Lord showed me about this? The word comes, whoever comes to me. The word comes is written in the Greek present tense. And that means that it's clear that such an experience does not stop with a single coming to Jesus. But it's a maintained coming to Jesus, continually coming to Jesus, coming and continually coming and coming and coming and coming. It's not one time, Lord, I make you the Lord of my life, and then I don't come anymore. So as much as you maintain the coming to Jesus, that's how much you'll be satisfied. That's how much you'll be stabilized. That's how much you'll be strengthened. Pastor Robert, you don't understand. I'm busy. I have a career. I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. Or you don't understand. I, I don't need to do that. Whatever the reason is, fill in the blank. I don't have time to come to Jesus. Let me tell you a story about the builder. The builder. I heard a story about a wealthy man whose friend was a builder. The builder was down on his luck and he hadn't had much work lately. So the wealthy man felt impressed to help him out. He gave the builder a set of plans and a check for three hundred thousand dollars the wealthy man said i want you to build me a new home i don't have the time to bother with it so i'm turning it all over to you you make the decisions i trust you 
If you do a good job, I promise to pay you well. The builder was so excited, he could finally start making some money. But he got to thinking. If I cut a few corners here and there, maybe I could pocket some of that 300000 So he went out and he bought the cheapest concrete he could find. He had the cement mixer water it down so it would stretch further. He saved four or five hundred dollars right there. Excited, he went out and he found the cheapest number he could find. Some of it was bent and warped and crooked. He didn't care. It was going to be hidden behind the walls. Nobody would ever see it. He did the same thing with the plumbing, the electrical work, and so on. Cutting corners and saving money. When the house was completed, he saved nearly $40,000, which he discreetly deposited in his own bank account. When he was done, the builder called his wealthy friend to come and take a look at the house. The owner was quite impressed. On the surface, the home looked beautiful. He never guessed that the builder had cut corners, compromising the integrity of the whole house. The builder was ecstatic as he noticed the pleased expression on the wealthy man's face. He couldn't wait to see how much he was going to get paid. After all, he knew the owner was a very generous man. As the wealthy man walked to the front door, he turned with a twinkle in his eye and he said to the builder, You know, I don't really need this home. I have one already. I just wanted to help you and your family. So he handed the keys over to the builder and said, Here, my friend, this is for you. You've just built yourself a brand new home. The builder nearly passed out. He thought to himself, If I had known... I was going to be building my own home. I would have built it a whole lot better. And what a thought-provoking story. I mean, the truth is we're all building our own homes called lives and called families. We may cut corners here and there, but it's not hurting anybody but ourselves. If we skip the process of prioritizing spiritual growth, time with Jesus, our foundations will be weak, causing us all kinds of problems in the future. Everything may look fine on the outside, but what really counts is what went into the foundation. When it comes to building a strong, healthy household called life, everything relies on what you start with and build on. This builder got his new house, and three months later, he was having foundation problems. Six months after that, cracks appeared in the walls. The plumbing wouldn't work right. The electrical system was a mess. It cost him way more than the $40,000 he saved or stole to fix all those problems. If he had a chance to do it all over again, he would do it right the first time and make quality materials a priority. Friends, Time invested in coming to Jesus is like quality materials that go into building a house. So, Pastor Robert, okay, come, hear, do. What do you suggest I do now? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. The first suggestion I would make is to make a determination to be a person who invests daily time with Jesus. Take time each day. Go to him in prayer. Read your Bible. Learn to use a journal. If you need a little bit of help, get yourself a devotional book. Let me speak into that a little bit as a pastor. I'm not anti devotional books, but I'm more for this as your devotional book. Okay? A devotional book is great, but what you're getting, if you think about it, you're getting the insight and the revelation and understanding that the author got and he put down in the devotional book. Nothing wrong with that. Helpful. But I know that Jesus wants to speak to me and he wants to speak to you directly from this book. So if you'll get in the habit of doing this book first, the devotional book can become a great supplement in addition to and support to this book. Amen? Now, I'm not being condemning or overly religious or anything like that. I'm not mandating. That's just my opinion. I think that the Word of God has plenty for us to feed on. Amen? So the first thing I suggest is that you make a decision to invest daily time with God. Now, I want to be gracious. I know we got new mommies in here. We got infant babies. We got toddlers. We got careers. We got school. We got hobbies. Life is busy. Hence the reason we're talking about this. But nobody's going to make you invest time with Jesus and coming to him. You will have to look at your schedule, carve out the time with his help, with his grace. He'll show you when and how you can do that. For example, if you've got toddlers and uh, your husband's at work all day, when he comes home, you get settled in, da-da-da-da-da. So glad you're here. 30 minutes, daddy, you get the kids. 30 minutes. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to meet with Jesus as a mommy because I need to. I got to meet with Jesus as a wife, as a daughter of God, as a mommy. I got to meet with Jesus. He's inviting me to come to him. 30 minutes. And then when you're done, you can go back to whatever family time looks like in the evening. And then if you have to, you switch roles. Daddy's busy. Daddy's up early. He's got to leave at 6. He's got to leave at 7. He's not an early person. Well, if mommy can get it in during the day, somehow, kids are asleep, whatever. Daddy gets home. Hey, Daddy, I love you. Glad you're here. You got your 30 minutes. If you're a couple, you got to work together to do this. It's going to strengthen your marriage. It's going to strengthen your household. It's going to strengthen your kids. It's going to be what Jesus is talking about, building a life, digging deep on a solid foundation. It's the first thing. You got to be a person who makes a decision. Second thing I would say to do is, is I would prioritize godly community. Godly community. What do you mean? Prioritize your time in the house of God on Sundays. I'm not being condemning. I just know statistically speaking, the average Christian makes it to service once or twice a month out of four Sundays. That's just the trend that we're on. Once or twice a month. You got all kinds of Sundays to do all kinds of other stuff, but an hour and a half on Sunday is tough for some people because they haven't got to the place where this is a priority prioritize godly community. Not just on Sundays, but let me encourage you. 
Get in a small group. Start one. Pastor Robert, I don't know how to start one. Help me start one. I'll help you start one. When you start connecting with other believers and you're in the Word and you're praying for each other and you're strengthening one another, something happens on the inside. The life of God begins to come up to another level and you experience fruitfulness in your life and in your family's life in ways that you wouldn't have unless you were connecting with other people in godly community. Johnny comes every Wednesday. Wade comes every Wednesday. Barbara comes every Wednesday. My wife comes every Wednesday. We connect with godly community. We're encouraging. We're in the word. We're praying for each other. We're having fellowship together. We're lifting each other up. Joey and Jackie come every Wednesday. They've been in church for 50 years. They don't have to come. They come because they value godly community. We all need each other. Don't hear that condemning. Don't hear that like, oh, Pastor Robert, you just want to build the church. No, Jesus is the builder of the church. I want to help build big lives in Jesus. And one of the ways we do that is to prioritize godly community. Doug and Joni are in a group at their house. They have a group where they live, over on Moss Lake. Other churches. They're not even from our church, their group. That's okay. Godly community, praying for one another, fellowshipping, eating meals, strengthening one another, studying the word together. So important. When you read the New Testament, Jesus leans into godly community. Well, let me ask you this question. Have you been blessed by the word today? All right, come on, let's stand to our feet and let's close. Father, we just thank you and we honor you today. We bless you. We're so grateful for the word. Holy Spirit, help us to live this out. Help us, enable us to be people who come to Jesus as a matter of our heart, as a matter of relationship, not as a matter of obligation. Teach us, nurture us, strengthen us in this truth. And Lord, as we do that, I thank you that you're going to speak to us. You're going to give us wisdom. You're going to strengthen us. And you're going to help us to live lives of obedience and experience the blessing because of it. We honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I said amen before it turned 1116. I'm good. I try to get out of here at 1115. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.